Friday, September the 18th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Brits blast Biden back and China defends its Xinjiang camps. First, the world in brief. Joe Biden got into a spat with the British government. The Democratic nominee for America's presidency said that a bill threatening to overturn parts of the Brexit treaty with the European Union must not imperil peace in Northern Ireland. Conservative allies of Prime Minister Boris Johnson implied that Mr Biden did not understand the issues and should mind America's own business. The Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee held interest rates at 0.1%, warning that Britain's faster-than-expected economic recovery was under threat from a resurgence of COVID-19 and a potentially untoward conclusion to post-Brexit trade negotiations with the European Union. It said that it might impose negative interest rates in the event of a downturn. The World Health Organization sounded the alarm about a resurgence of COVID-19 in Europe. Its regional director noted that the caseload there is now increasing at a greater rate than during the outbreak's peak in March. Spain, France and Britain have the highest confirmed figures. Globally, the pandemic has caused 300 million known infections. Europe counted 300,000 just last week. A German laboratory detected traces of Novichok on a water bottle apparently retrieved from the Siberian hotel room in which Alexei Navalny stayed before falling ill on a plane. Russia's most prominent opposition figure was treated in Germany after somehow ingesting the nerve agent. Airport T had been the prime suspect. Either way, the Kremlin's involvement is presumed. Days after America's government imposed restrictions on imports from Xinjiang, the Chinese government defended the region's re-education camps. China said that the camps, which house mostly Uyghurs, a Muslim minority, produce a large, knowledge-based, skilled and innovative workforce that meets the requirements of the new era. Activists alleged that the camps are sites of torture, religious persecution and forced sterilisation. Libya's Prime Minister Fayez al-Sahaj declared his intention to resign by the end of October. The announcement came a month after his UN-recognised unity government met for peace talks with a rival administration aligned with Halif da Haftar, a warlord who last year tried to capture Tripoli, the capital. Both sides have agreed to elections within 18 months. And Twitter labelled a tweet by Donald Trump as misleading. The president wrote that mass postal voting would mean the election result may never be accurately determined, which is what some want. Twitter directed users to a page describing how mail-in voting is legal and safe. Later, Louis de Joy, the Postmaster General, reportedly promised that election mail will be his agency's highest priority. And now, here's today's agenda. We chat for a while longer. America and Chinese tech. China's popular WeChat messaging service may have won a reprieve in America. In August, Donald Trump issued an executive order banning the service, effective this weekend. But on Wednesday, the Justice Department said that those using WeChat for personal or business reasons will not face penalty. Wilbur Ross, the Commerce Secretary, is expected to release details on Sunday about what exactly will be prohibited. The administration is prone to vagueness about Chinese technology. In August, Mr Trump threatened TikTok, a short video app, as well as WeChat, saying that their parent companies, TikTok's ByteDance and WeChat's Tencent, hand Americans' data to the Chinese Communist Party. 
Oracle has made a deal with TikTok, leaving ByteDance as the majority shareholder, a far cry from Mr. Trump's original promise to ban TikTok unless its ownership changed. Mr. Trump now says he is unhappy with that. Both WeChat and TikTok face a persistent uncertainty about their future in America. Do or die. Time running out to join vaccine group. Today is the last day for countries to sign up to COVAX, a World Health Organization-led effort to make 2 billion doses of COVID-19 vaccines available globally by the end of 2021. The deadline had been August 31st, but was pushed back because rich nations were slow to sign up. America and Britain have sought bilateral deals to procure vaccines. Although that does not preclude them from joining, America has said it will not. Under the plan, high-income countries pay for their vaccines and subsidise jabs for others. Yet there is rising concern that rich countries will monopolise early supplies. This could cost lives and slow the global recovery. A new study by Northeastern University in Boston that modelled two scenarios for vaccine distribution had they been available in early March found that the fairer distribution resulted in 61% fewer deaths over six months. Unhappy New Year Israel goes back into lockdown Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, begins this evening. But as 5781 kicks off, Israel will mark what is usually its most festive season by entering a three-week nationwide COVID-19 lockdown, the country's second. Citizens must stay within 500 metres of their homes, meaning families cannot unite for traditional New Year meals and apple and honey dipping. Israel now has the world's highest rates of infections per capita. On Wednesday, 6,063 new cases were confirmed, a national record. Recriminations are flying across Israeli society. Ultra-Orthodox Israelis are being blamed for gathering to pray and study together in defiance of regulations, left-wingers for spreading the virus through mass protests, and Arab citizens for holding weddings attended by entire tribes. And most are blaming Benjamin Netanyahu's government for a chaotic exit from May's lockdown, without an efficient contact tracing system in place. It may not be ready until November, meaning the lockdown could well be extended, risking mass civil disobedience. Trading insults The WTO shuffles closer towards a new leader. Today, a short list of candidates for the next Director General of the World Trade Organization will be whittled down from 8 to 5. Amina Mohamed of Kenya and Ngozi Onkonjaiwela of Nigeria should sail through. They reportedly have support from Europe and there is a sense that it is time an African candidate took the title. But ultimately, the victor will be decided by who is disliked least, not who is admired most. There has already been some mudslinging, including questions about Ms. Okonjaiwela's allegiances as a dual American-Nigerian citizen. Hamid Momdu of Egypt mocked his opponent's claims that their political clout will resolve differences between members. A tougher question is whose hands are clean of mud. Despite a ruling on September 15th that President Donald Trump's tariffs on imports from China broke WTO rules, so far his administration does not seem to be trying to sabotage the contest. Learning to rebel Thailand student protests Thailand's student-led pro-democracy movement is preparing for its next big protest at Thomasat University's Tarplachan campus in Bangkok, the capital, on Saturday. The protesters are demanding nothing less than reform of the country's most powerful institutions, the monarchy and the armed forces. 
They also call for the constitution to be rewritten and changes to an education system that prioritises rote learning and deference to authority. One third of Thai 15-year-olds are functionally illiterate. The stakes are high. Criticising the monarchy is a criminal offence and the soldiers and security forces trained to protect it have killed pro-democracy protesters on numerous occasions. Thus far, the police have been playing cat and mouse, arresting young protest leaders only to release them later, and not cracking down too harshly on this new, more vocal generation of demonstrators. But this may change, especially if the political opposition joins in, or if students begin to call for the monarchy's abolition. Finally, here's the quote of the day from William Hazlitt, who died on this day in 1830. Wit is the salt of conversation, not the food. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.